What's up, Chicago? And welcome in to the Cap and J Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000. And we are streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with Courtney Cronin in for Cap. I'm Jay Hood. You can watch our show on YouTube, youtube.com and Twitch as well, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. As we go to the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Tune in. Josh Striffin. John Striffin is the new play-by-play voice for the Chicago White Sox. John Striffin joins us here on Cap and Jay Hood. John, it's uh, Jonathan and Courtney. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you guys, and I like the beat coming in, bumping in. Like I feel like I got a good, good intro. I like this. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's you deserve that because you're the new voice of the White Sox. So you, you deserve that. First and foremost, you mentioned in your hype video that you are a foodie. Uh, and you came to the right city, by the way. You came to the right city and the right team when it comes to food. Top three ballpark food for you. Go ahead. Ooh, top three ball. Okay, you got to start with a hot dog, right? Like, that's classic. Your summertime baseball, you got to get a hot dog. Um, nachos, for sure. Nachos? And then, like, but not jalapenos. I don't do spicy stuff. So I don't want, like, crazy, like, hot things on, on the hot nachos, but I want, like, something, like, legit. Uh, and then also sushi, like, believe it or not, sushi has become like ballpark food. Now it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like one of the things I look out for when I go to the ballpark. It's, uh, you know, kind of light, not kind of crazy, but yeah, hot dog, nacho sushi. Now he's at the right ballpark, as you well know, Courtney, being at guaranteed rate. I mean, there's, I mean, some of the best food of all bar ballparks mm-hmm. across uh, the nation. So the, as you broadcast, wafting through the air will be beef sandwiches. It will be you know, hot dogs. It will be all type of fare. You, do, you know this. It's going to be great. I, do they have sushi down there? I don't, I've never had sushi. The only place, John, I've had sushi at a ballpark was out in San Francisco. But, I mean, I guess that's what you expect being in a fantastic multicultural food city like San Francisco. But I, I, I don't know. Do they have it at guaranteed rate? Not sure. I don't know that they do, but I correct the the place that I did have sushi was in San Francisco. Oh, that'll work mm-hmm. absolutely. So just so you know, you know they're going to be bringing you food while you broadcast, right? This is going to happen like every third inning. The chefs are going to bring you food. So good luck on that play by play. You'll be stuffed with food the entire time. I'm just telling you, it's going to be great. Oh, I'm not mad at that. I yeah. mean, bring bring everything. I'm going to try all the food in the ballpark. I'm looking forward to it. So I read the article in the Sun-Times says you're not from Chicago, but you're here to embrace the city. Can you give us a little bit of your background? I know the path that you got to getting this job. You've done work for ESPN before. How how do you plan to ingratiate yourself in this city, but also with this fan base? Yeah, so I born and raised in New York City uh, and baseball has always been my first love. Uh, I grew up playing the game. You know, as a kid, I always dreamed of getting to the show, right? Getting to the big leagues, and I thought I was going to be a pitcher. The fact that I was able to transition into becoming a broadcaster and realizing that being a broadcaster was the closest I was ever going to be to the game again, to get here as uh, a broadcaster to the major leagues is just, it's surreal, right? It's just unreal. Um, but I know that I don't know Chicago, and I don't want to fake and pretend like I'm a native Chicago person. So I want to get to know the city, right? Like I want to find a place soon. I want to move to the city and I want to get to know the neighborhoods and walk around and explore and find restaurants and find dog parks and just get to know people. And you know, what's the coolest thing is Chicago White Sox fans are awesome. Like already so many fans have reached out to me like, Hey, 
here's my favorite spot. You got to go to here. You got to go to here. And and like literally the last 24 hours has been bonkers. The amount of text, phone calls, social media, people reaching out, it's been incredible. And the the support I've gotten so far from Chicago, Chicago White Sox fans has been great. So thank you so much to everybody who's reached out already. I, I feel welcome. Uh, the new play-by-play voice for the Chicago White Sox is John Schriffen. He joins us on Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000. John, uh, you got a chance to meet Steve Stone and, of course, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. What was it like meeting uh, Stone, who's been uh, in the city as a Cubs broadcaster, White Sox broadcaster for a long time, and, of course, Jerry Reinsdorf? Okay, so let me start with Jerry, um, because Jerry is probably one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. He is the sharpest person I've ever met in terms of just intelligence and memory. I mean, so we had a conversation, and, and his love of baseball just comes across as soon as you meet him. Um, and we talked about what it was like him being in the stands as a kid watching Jackie Robinson play in Ebbets Field for the Dodgers. And I was just in awe. Like, my mouth hit the floor of just the vivid memory he had and just recalling the details of the game and of the day. And he loves baseball. And I think that's the first thing you look for in an owner when you want to work for someone is just how passionate they are for the game and just the team that they own. Um, and another thing that I don't know if people talk about enough about Jerry that comes across is just his passion for diversity, right? Like the, the outreach efforts he has had with the club into the community. And getting this job, I'm now just the second black TV play-by-play in Major League Baseball along with Dave Sims for the Seattle Mariners. So I don't take that lightly. And that was something that was big for Jerry. Jerry wants to make sure that baseball is accessible to everyone in the community and everyone feels welcome at the ballpark. And to have an African-American play-by-play voice for his team it was a big deal. And that meant a lot to me. Um, meeting with Stoney was just awesome. I mean, everybody knows. Like, Stoney's the man, right? And we were only supposed to meet for maybe like an hour uh, dinner. And Jerry actually told me to get in his car, and he drove me over to the, to the dinner spot. It turned into a three-hour dinner with Steve Stone. I mean, he has so many incredible stories, all the experience he's done. I mean, being one of the best pitchers in baseball of all time, then being one of the best broadcasters of all time. And he's just so down-to-earth and humble. And, you know, after that dinner, we've kept in touch every single day, and, and he's like, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. You know, I hope you get this job. And we just hit it off. And it's like I just cannot wait to start broadcasting with Steve because – I just know we're going to hit the ground running just because he's a good dude. John, you mentioned being a man of color in this position, calling Major League Baseball. What does this position in history mean to you personally? Whew, man. I mean, that's, it's, it, it means a lot. I mean, let me, I'll just give you more of my background. So I'm biracial. Uh, my dad's white. My mom's black. And so I grew up in New York City in the 80s, early 90s. And it was still a time when I, I remember walking around the city with my parents and even if it was separately with my mom or my dad, and I would get looks, you know, it was, it was uncomfortable. Like, you know, if I was with my dad, there'd be like 10 cabs that would stop and like break their neck to try to pull, pull over to pick him up. And then I'm with my mom. I, we couldn't get a cab for a half hour, an hour. So like it was as a young kid, I could recognize the racial divide and it was not easy. But for me, when I played baseball growing up, it was like, nobody saw color. I was just one of the guys. And nobody cared what I looked like as long as I could play. And that has always stuck with me my entire life, that baseball is a game that accepts everyone. And I want people to feel that, you know, that love, the next generation, that baseball is for everyone. And I know the number of 
African-American-born um, players has dwindled over the years, and I hope that we continue to uh, reach out to everyone in the community to make sure that baseball is a game that is incredible. I mean, and especially in the city of Chicago. Think about it. There is no better city in the summer than Chicago. And then to come to the ballpark, to see the White Sox, one of the best stadiums, all the seats are so intimate. I just want everyone in Chicago to feel like they can come to the game. And I, I want to get involved in, in community out, outreach efforts. I want to make sure kids know that. I want to bring people into the booth. I want to make sure that people know that baseball is for everyone. What's Korea like? Um, I know that you called some games in the Korean baseball organization. I was trying to find their schedule and trying to find more about it, but apparently South Korea blocked my geolocation on my computer. So I don't have any of that information in front of me right now. Um, but how long were you over there doing that? And you know, natural like language barrier, I assume. Are you, are you fluent in other languages? No. Okay, so here, so here's the story on, on the KBO, Korean baseball organization. So it was 2020. I was hired by ESPN, and it was during the pandemic. There were no sports airing in the United States because naturally everything was shut down. The only thing that was still going, or one of the only things that was still going, was, the, was Korean baseball. So we didn't actually travel over there. We were one of the first group of people to call baseball games from home. And I was living in Los Angeles at the time. It's maybe 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, first pitch. And we're broadcasting from home off of an iPad. And this was like early, early technology. So it hadn't even really been tested yet. We were like the first group to really test the technology. And we were just, I mean, literally broadcasting the game from an iPad. And we didn't, our producers didn't have control of the feed. So it was the Korean feed, the, the, all the language that would come up would be Korean characters. And we just had to describe what we saw and learn on the fly these players that we had no idea about but we would bring on guests from who knew Korean baseball, and we just introduced this to a, a, new, a new audience um, in the United States. And it actually got like a cult following because people got started betting on it. People were waking up early to watch these games. Um, and I realized the quality of baseball in the KBO is incredible. And there are some players every single year who will make the transition from the KBO to Major League Baseball and will have a ton of success just because baseball is so great around the world. Uh, John Schriffen is with us here on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show. Courtney's in for Cap, the news voice of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, so, John, as you well know, there's always ups and downs in every baseball season. It was tough last year. I just need to know that you're going to be around through the, the good and the bad for the White Sox. Have you gotten your schedule out yet? Because on some of those lean times, I'm going to need your voice to keep me, keep me company. Because the ball club is going through changes. It's a little bit of a transition. How often can, can we hear you this uh, upcoming season? I'm going to need you. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm going to bring the energy. I'm going to bring the passion. I'm going to be there. I have committed to Jerry, to the team, that I'm going to be here for the majority of the season. Um, you know, I said yesterday it has been a, a wild 24 hours since getting announced. One of the calls that I got was from manager, Pedro Grafal. And, and when Pedro called me, A, it meant the world to me just to feel like the manager of the White Sox wants me to be a part of this team and he was so excited he goes i listened to your stuff you know you're incredible i can't wait you're the addition that you're going to bring the energy is going to be awesome for us um but even just to hear his passion and just to talk about the improvements that have been made with this team and how he's building this culture and how excited he is and the guys are for the team that got me amped up so uh, you know i everyone says it's going to be a grind it's going to be a long season 
I am excited for what is coming up because I think it now, as a broadcaster, I get the chance to be with the team for the long haul, to see the ups and the downs and to see how this team has developed over the course of the season. Um, and that's why I can't wait to get to spring training. Like I cannot wait to meet all the new faces, get to meet all the guys, get to meet all the t- everybody on the team. Because um, I think there's a chance that this team can be fun and exciting to watch this season because there is so much energy and passion, and, and Pedro has these guys knowing that they're going to be playing hard this season. So a natural progression for someone who is a Major League Baseball announcer is that they at one point covered politics on Capitol Hill and with the White House. Um, which administration <laughs> did you cover, and what was that like? So I, um, one of my first jobs in TV, I, I started in New York City, and then my next job was in Washington, D.C., so I was uh, lucky enough to cover the Obama administration, um, covering Capitol Hill and covering the White House. Uh, but I will say politics is probably one of the reasons why I got out of news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, and transitioning back into sports is because I like happy things. I like fun things. I like things that take us away from all the craziness that is life, right? Like when I broadcast a game and I'm in the booth, it is my happy place. It is my zone where nothing else in the world matters. And when I broadcast, I hope I can provide that fun for everyone at home or wherever it is that they're watching. Because, you know, politics can get crazy, right? Yeah. World can get crazy. We all have problems. We have a job. We have life. Things are just happening. But when we're watching sports and when we're watching baseball, we shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. And I think that's what I try to bring, just some levity to the world and, some le- and, and just talking with Stoney and just be able to have fun in the booth. And that's what I hope to bring to people. Well, a word of advice, just when you come here, um, just if you, if you want to make sure that you can keep your sanity, I know that you're going to be so busy trying to like learn the White Sox and everything else, just, just don't dabble in the Justin Fields or Caleb Williams debate <laughs> that happens on social media. Like, Do yourself a favor yes. and save those extra brain cells you have yeah. for a very long MLB season and stay away from that part. That's like when we talk about toxicity and like, politics and trying to get away from that and having you know fun co- doing our jobs as sports people that's the unfun part of it in this city <laughs> just a word of <laughs> advice you know, from someone who deals with it every though. day yeah here's Clint? what i will say yes what is awesome about chicago is the fact that the fans even care that much right like the fact that the fans are so passionate they want to know what you guys are saying all the time they want to have your opinions because even with, with, with the white Sox, right Fans mm-hmm. want to know what's going on in the minor league system. They want to know who's getting developed, who could potentially get drafted, and all these. Like that's the exciting part is that there is so much interest in Chicago because these are some of the best fans in the world. John, congratulations on the job, the voice of the Chicago White Sox, and we hope they get a chance to see you at the ballpark and uh, uh, look forward to spring training. Let's see what happens this season. First year on the job should be fun. I can't wait. Thanks for having me on. All right, John Triffin is the. New voice of the Chicago White Sox on the television side, and he joins us in the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Tune in. Don't worry, call the Car X Man. Cap and J Hood, weekday morning, 7 to 10, here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, so, as far as the Bears are concerned, some interesting thoughts on the Waddle and Sylvie show from Mel Kuyper Jr. So, Mel Kuyper Jr. on the program the other day talking about what the Bears should do with the draft. Now, Kuyper was on this early, saying that the Bears should definitely go at Caleb Williams 
uh, as the first pick in the draft and trade Justin Fields. Some more thoughts here from Mel with Waddle and Sylvie. I think uh, because of the fact that he is so improv, so much on the floor, just if, uh, if things break down, he can do it in a structured situation. And again, I think that's up to the coordinator. That's up to the system. Tailor it towards him. They said the same thing about Patrick Holmes when he came out of Texas Tech. Improv does a lot of great things, but you know, from the pocket, I, I've seen Caleb do great things from the pockets. I don't, I don't believe in that. People say leadership. Well, guess what? He didn't have Jordan Addison this year. Things went awry a little bit at USC. I don't see any great offensive linemen. I didn't see any great wide receiver. Uh, you know, they had a good run back, but they didn't use them necessarily enough. And uh, and also, you think about it. You're a, really, you have agents now. You're doing commercials. You're a pro when you're playing college. He had won the Heisman. He had done all those great things. The team wasn't going to play for the national title. And you get distracted a little bit. You maybe And then people start to criticize, and they don't see the greatness every week that you saw in 2022. So you start nitpicking a bit. But I, I think Caleb's got everything. He can throw the... He's got what you call arm talent, arm angles, accuracy. He was at 66 percent, a little over 66 percent when everybody said he was Mahomes-like. He's at 68-6 this year. He's 72 touchdowns, 10 picks. You factor in the rushing touchdowns, he's 93 touchdowns and 10 picks over the last two years. Are you kidding me? So, again, uh, people want to, like I say, criticize, nitpick. I, I, Caleb Williams, I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. That's fine. But the one thing that I'm going to draw a line with, Courtney, is this whole Caleb Williams, Patrick Mahomes comp. I'm not doing that. Because that's unfair for Caleb Williams, for sure. Because that's the mountain. I mean, he's this generation's Tom Brady. You know, uh, you know, Shea told us not too long ago, he goes, you know what, even though he's a Patriots fan and saw Brady, he says that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback he's ever seen. And so the, this is the standard now at the quarterback position. I will not go with Caleb Williams, the next Patrick Mahomes, because as much as I am a college football fan and saw Caleb Williams play, he had some outstanding games. But he still has a lot of room for growth because, I don't know, he hasn't been in the NFL yet. So I can't do the hot take of saying that's who he is. But from Mel's standpoint, as you well know, Mel is a NFL draft guru. And he will, the guys that he wants to push, he'll push out there talking about how great they are on the college level. So I always look at it from that standpoint. As a college football fan like Mel is, and a draft Nick, he'll say Caleb Williams is great. But is he great for the Bears right now? That's the big question. The idea that that generational knit label needs to go away, like I'm a firm believer of that. And I know that Mel didn't specifically use that, but it's alluding to it. And it drives me nuts because, we're, you know, there's been some really good quarterbacks who have come out like Joe Burrow, like Trevor Lawrence, who got that same sort of didn't get that same sort of pub that the Andrew Lux that now we're comparing Caleb Williams to being the best prospect since. I just wish that we would do away with that because that sets him up for unfair expectations. Same way as comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, who had a lot to fix with his mechanics coming out of Texas Tech. He wasn't labeled in that generational talent. He became that in the NFL. So if we're comparing a 22-year-old Caleb Williams as he is right now to the greatest quarterback currently playing, that's unfair. That's setting yourself up for failure when he doesn't achieve that. And even in year one, if he doesn't, if he isn't exactly what you expect him to be, whether he's with the Bears or with another team, doesn't mean he's a failure. It just means that he's willing, that he has to grow into that. The amount of turnovers that Aaron Rodgers had early in his career, when yeah. people are talking about, you know, coming in. Like I, I remember talking to an NFL executive. I wrote this story right around the time of that Bears Vikings game. 
the second one about like what Justin Fields has to do with the, you know, the final seven games, like what it would mean. And I remember talking about Caleb Williams and I had a, uh, an assistant GM tell me like, Coming out last year, he thought that the day that he gets to the NFL, he's already a top 10 quarterback. I'm like, do you people realize like, the amount of pressure you're putting on these prospects who have to learn and adjust to the speed of the game at the NFL level, how different it is from the spread concepts that they all have in college football, what the offensive lines look like there, what the offensive lines look like in the NFL, what the thief what the edge rushers who are coming to rip their head off look like i just think it's so unfair that and i'm not blaming talent evaluators for that because it's their job to project out otherwise you could make the wrong choice that could set you back for five ten years like caleb's gonna have things to work on regardless of whether he goes to the bears or whether he ends up going somewhere else next year like that's just not fair to put that same sort of label on him like don't put him in Patrick Mahomes and don't put it those two in the same sentence like why no. why do we have to do that why do we have to have okay here's a carbon copy of what we expect this guy to be comps never are uh, an apples to oranges or you know it's like an apple to like a pickle yeah like it doesn't make any <laughs> right. sense because we yeah. you don't know what somebody is going to be until they actually show you what they can be in the pro level like I just I've never understood that I just I think it's because we want hope and something to hold on to and like a bar to set that we do that. But it doesn't make sense for a quarterback who's never played a game at the NFL level to already say that he's going to be a top 10 quarterback or he's already going to reach the level that Patrick Mahomes has. Some squint and look at Justin Fields and say, you know what? He is going to, I believe he's going to be a really good quarterback in this league. And some squint and they say, you know, the circumstances are why Fields are in this, is in this position right now. The circumstances of tanking and then going to seven wins. And, of course, in both instances, Fields was hurt. And they say, just arm him with a better offensive line. Just arm him with uh, more bookends uh, from a wide receiver standpoint, T.J. Moore and whomever. And so, you know, you hear from a man who has covered the draft for many, many years and Mel Kuyper, he pretty much says, if you're debating on if Justin Fields is a guy or not, then it's time to reset the clock. I'd say Ryan Poles doesn't need any help. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ryan. He does a great job. And it's a difficult decision. I go back and forth on this almost by the hour. And if it is the case, I, I came to the conclusion about a week or so ago, when you're going back and forth by the minute, hour, day, you just have to you know, reset the clock and make the move and trade Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams. If you feel strongly that Justin has turned the corner and the players love him and we know he can keep getting a little better and he could be great, then you, you trade the first pick and you move forward with Justin Fields. So it's a tough call. Uh, it's because Caleb was so good in 2022. And even at the start of this past season, until he kind of hit a little bit, I wouldn't say a slump, but struggled a bit after the, really the Notre Dame game on through the rest of the year. Year at a couple games after that where he was around 55, 57%, but he's so good. Even when people say he was struggling, he still wasn't throwing interceptions. He completed the higher percentage of his passes this year than he did last year. Thoughts there from Mel Kuyper. I'm with him in the sense that if you are going back and forth, back and forth, like to me, the 38-game sample size that you have from Justin Fields, since there's this ambiguity, that is clarity. That is clarity, and I've had multiple front office people across the league tell me that same sort of thinking, which is why 31 other teams, if they're looking at the situation, it's a no-brainer. Now, there are different, there's nuance here that that Ryan Poles has to consider that other teams don't have to when he's making this decision. Like, 
they're seeing the day-to-day improvement from where he started with the Bears when they took over this thing to where he is right now. If they feel he's honestly closer than maybe it appears to the outside world, maybe they stick with him. But I, we're not having this conversation if they don't have the number one overall pick. If they're drafting ninth, they're yes. staying with Justin Fields. Like that's there's, correct. There's, like, that's the reason why Poles keeps calling this a unique situation, because it is. Because you have the pick, not due to your own poor record, where you can look at a 38-game sample size and say, okay, that is enough. Most quarterbacks don't get that hoodie. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They don't get a chance to give you nearly... You know, to give you nearly three full seasons of a body of work before determining, okay, that guy's it or he's not. The ambiguity make clouds decisions. And I know that, you know, you don't want to hedge on something that doesn't feel like a sure bet. So if you were going to stay with Justin Fields, you better be damn sure that you win next year with him. Otherwise, you're squandering an opportunity, which Mel in his latest mock draft, which, which, um, mirrors a lot of the mock drafts, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah, whether it's the other ones that have come out recently, that point to the upside, the ceiling, all of the things, the unknown that is better than what you know already about Justin Fields. Like that's what I take away from that. Now, again, on the surface, what you're what you're saying is, if you are Ryan Poles, we're good what we have at quarterback, and we're good what we have at the head coaching spot. And so the consistency, the continuity is better than what's on the other side. Okay. And I think that's not true on both accounts. Now, I'm not telling you that Caleb Williams is better than Justin Fields today because I don't know what Caleb Williams can do. I know what he can do in college. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is is that the Bears are not going to pick a lane either side. Not a new head coach. Not trying to have a new regime trying to upgrade that and not uh, try to upgrade the quarterback position. Hey, whatever works, my feeling has always been the same. Whatever they decide to do is fine as long as they win. Loyalty is great as long as the people around you can help you get to where you need to be to achieve your goals. Loyalty is fine. Ah, we trust Justin because at least we know what we're working with. Okay, great. We trust Iberflus because he's a good company man. He's a, he's a Chicago Bears head coach. It's fine. Okay, fine. But you better win because standing still is not going to help you grow. Because that's what the Bears are doing right now. They'll add pieces around it. But can you, tell, can you guarantee me right now that Justin Fields, with more talent, offensive line, wide receiver on the other side, three technique defensively, getting be- maybe getting rid of Eddie Jackson and getting better in the sec- secondary, all these ch- choices, all these changes, does that grow the Chicago Bears to winners? Makes it better. That's a big gamble. That's a really big gamble. And... The idea, like I remember DJ Moore said this in Cleveland mm-hmm. um, after you know the loss that they had. Somebody, not not somebody on our beat, but like somebody from the Cleveland side was clearly writing something about Justin Fields and mm-hmm. just came in, said and asked him about the questions that he's getting at the you know about wow you're answering a lot of questions about the quarterback like why do you think that is and that's when DJ made that comment that. Caleb Williams, Drake May, I don't think they're better than Justin Fields right now. And that's me paraphrasing, but that's the gist of what he said. And I, I would agree with that to a, but like, again, nuance. Justin Fields played three NFL seasons. Those two dudes were still in the middle of their college season. That was right. the middle of December. Um, I, I just, I don't find that though, like, you're not basing it on. Right now, he's better than Justin Fields because that's setting yourself up for if they don't make the playoffs next year, that, that the guy's a failure. And that's not the case. If you can start to see early on 
the deficiencies in Fields' game, if they're not there with Caleb Williams, that's a box you check as a positive thing. If the record is better and the offense is better, that's a check, uh, a positive check mark in the right box. But to go ahead and, and, and already say that you know, you need these guys to be better than what you currently have. Justin Fields has 38 games of a sample size in the NFL as a starting quarterback. Not a lot of starting quarterbacks who, when there are those decisions on, on you know, this pivotal point going into year three, do you pick up the fifth-year option? Do you not? Are you ready? Are you thinking about paying him? That's part of it, that what Mel was getting at when he says after, you know, three years, if you're Ryan Poles and you have 38 games, like, you need to start having an idea of thinking about down the road, is that a guy I want to commit 300-something million dollars to? Because it's not realistic to think about passing on the number one pick, trading it, getting a haul, whatever, not taking Caleb Williams, sticking with Justin Fields for year four, picking up the fifth-year option, and then moving on for year five, like going into 2025. That would never happen. That would get people fired. That's a terrible way of doing business. So you have to play this thing out in your mind before you can get to the point of whether you move on from Justin Fields, take Caleb Williams. If you're thinking three to four to five years down the road, not just, okay, is some is somebody better than somebody else right in this very current moment? Do you have some news regarding the Bears and the quarterback coach? Yeah, it sounds like they're going with Kerry Joseph. That's coming from my favorite, NFL Network. Um, and no, no real editorializing in this tweet that I just saw oh. uh, that he is going to be joining Shane Waldron. He was the assistant quarterbacks coach for the Seattle Seahawks last year. I know that Greg Olson's name had come up in interviews for the Chicago Bears. I don't know. Maybe he... Maybe he's going to retire. Maybe he's going to take a different job. But this assistant quarterbacks coach, Kerry Joseph, who played in the CFL uh, as a quarterback, he was also a safety in the NFL. That's going to be the duo, Shane Waldron and Kerry Joseph, who will be developing fields or the new quarterback. So how many words on that on ESPN.com? 1,000, 1,500? Yeah, it's a Friday. I don't know if they're going to be – I don't know if the news desk really cares about that one all that much. It's not as sexy of a hire (laughs) as, you know, the – City starved for a quarterback, finally finding their OC, even though he's a quarterback's coach. Desk closed on the quarterback's coach for the Bears. Oh, how about that? No answer. Okay. Well, enjoy your weekend. Indiana, Illinois. Guess you don't have to work on that, right? (laughs) All right. Coming up, the Friday folder. Things that we did not get to this week. We'll get to it next on Cap and J Hood. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Jay Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Because it's Friday. It's time for the Friday Folder. And you ain't got shit to do. On the Cap and Jay Hood Show. the Friday folder here on the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show. Courtney Cronin in for Cap. I am Jay Hood. This is the segment in which we have a whole bunch of things we didn't get to because Cap can't stop talking. We turn now to Shay Norling with the Friday folder. Shay, good morning. Good morning. And we got a lot to get to this week. There's a story... Again, from Alaska Airlines, that I've been trying to fit into this show all week, and we just haven't had the time. Damn Bears, NFL. Alaska Airlines, obviously, a couple weeks ago went very viral because one of the exit doors blew off of a plane mid-flight. 
kid's shirt got sucked out, the cell phone landed in somebody's backyard. It was still working after it got sucked out of the plane. So Alaska Airlines went and checked over some of their Boeing planes and found, quote, many loose bolts. That's not good. A lot of loose bolts. It's not what you want, generally. No, it's not. As a as a airplane passenger, does this spark any level of concern? Like, if you're getting on a flight and it's a Boeing plane, are you going to be like, uh, can I get an Airbus? Let me get something different. <laughs> no, that is frightening, the idea that you're looking out. And, you know, you, you strap in, you, know, you got the seatbelt going, and then all of a sudden you see loose bolts everywhere. And it's kind of like, okay... How, is this wing going to stay on? Is the propeller going to stay on? You know, the, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think, Shay. What was the, the amount of money that they were offering? Was it 1500 Yeah, $1,500 for the people who were on the flight where the exit door blew off of the plane. Yeah, that's what I pay for my lawyer, 1500 to so I can get my six figures for that nightmare of a bucket of bolts, literally, of plane. That's nonsense. Okay, so, like, which would you rather fly if you had, like, only these two choices? Malaysian Airlines after the plane disappeared or this, uh, one of these planes from Alaska? You only have two choices. I mean, the likelihood of a plane disappearing again, probably pretty slim. Nuts and bolts on number of planes being a little loose. I'm going Malaysian Airlines. You people, remember those first flights after the disappearance? There were like 10 people on a 787 or whatever, however big it was. Yeah. I'm going going Malaysia Airlines. Does does Conspiracy Cronin have a theory on what happened to the Malaysia Airlines flight? I I mean, I think it was, I watched the documentary. I think that it's the pilot and like, remember they like took all of the... um, what is it? The training gear out of his house where he was like flying it. And I think that they probably crashed. I don't think it went to Kazakhstan. I think it crashed somewhere in the Indian Ocean. And I also don't believe that crazy guy who was on like the border, the east coast of Africa. I think that's where it was when he like, found the plane just like miraculously floating up on the shore. I think that's nonsense. So you don't think that it went into a portal? I think it went into a portal. I don't like think. Lost. Like lost. Like lost. I mean, convenient. But I don't believe that happened. I think it's I think it's in the bottom of the Indian Ocean somewhere. The brother. Shay. Oh, uh, Jessica Beale hoodie wants to start a movement. Jessica Beale has started eating dinner in the shower. Oh, I saw that. And she yes. wants this to become popular. She shared a TikTok saying she eats in the shower. She was thanking people for all the questions. Thrilled everyone's so interested. And she started listing her rules, which included having a ledge or something where you can stick your cup. I like to take a bite or a sip and put it on the ledge. Uh-huh. And then you do your thing. You wash your hair. Do what you got to do, but you got your dinner right there in the shower. I'm not spending that much time in my bathroom. That's the thing that's so ridiculous. Isn't there a toilet in there? Okay, so I'm going to get myself my container of Chinese food and just let it go with with some candles for an hour? I'm not spending that much time in there. You just want to get your shower or your bath or everything else that you do in there and then get out of there. You're using the bathroom like it's, I don't know, a family room or a, I don't know, kitchen it's a bathroom it's not sanitary no to begin that's the with. point like shay were you a shower beer guy at michigan state yes okay i still am all right that's like i went to a state school <laughs> i should be into that like i didn't like it because the idea that like soap 
or shower water from my dormitory shower could get into whatever I was drinking, it wasn't worth the accelerated time it takes to get drunk because of the steam and all those things. Like I just nothing. Like literally exfoliating. That's it. That's yes. all you do in the shower, and obviously like soap and everything else and shampoo. But it to me, she just she could come up with so many other things. That need a celebrity backing behind it for a movement other than this. I mean, much protein that I eat, I can't see myself eating in there and then doing whatever else I do in that bathroom. That's disgusting. Oh. I'm just telling you, man. You oh, can't. Huh? I know you're with me on the shower beer, though. Shower beer is having a. Just, a just beer having in the a, shower? a cocktail, any sort of alcoholic well, beverage in the shower. You got to get a canned beer, probably a cheap ass beer, yeah. and you just drink it in the shower. It's supposed to like the, the idea best. in college is that it accelerates the amount of time it takes to you know get a buzz. Oh, I've done. Oh, I've done that before. I didn't know there was a name. Yeah, shower beer. Okay, yeah, that's not a problem. I don't know. That's a I problem, don't... but it, but it's not a container of food. It's not a steak. It's not a steak dinner that you're bringing in there. It's just like while I'm in the tub. Ah, those potatoes. It tastes what great. What happens if it falls, in, if you're taking a bath? And you know those like uh, wooden ledges that you used to be able to get at Bed Bath & Beyond? I mean, yes. I'm sure you can get them anywhere. But you can put stuff on there. Like I've seen people do snacks, like all these influencers I follow on Instagram of yeah. like how to have the best bath, more or less. You have a book. You have a candle. Like there's going to be water on these yes. things. It's going to ruin the experience. That's what about so a weird. Kindle? No, no. Just, just read on the damn couch, Shay. Like, I'm not spending that much time in the bathroom to do yeah. all that. That's what. That's what. You turn into kitchens. a prune by the end of it. Your skin would, you know, like when your hands are in water too long and they prune. You know, it's not any different than sitting in a hot tub. I wouldn't bring a Kindle into. I wouldn't bring a Kindle into the hot tub. I would not bring a meal into the hot tub. The hot tub's the only place I could get behind having a cocktail. Yeah, I'm not doing that. No, and think of the shrinkage, Shay. I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, think of that. I mean, you're in there for an hour and all that shrinkage. Well, it's okay. I still, I'm, my belly's full. I've got a good meal and shrinkage. That's no, that's no good. I'm trying to get in and out of there so I don't suffer with that. Shay. Uh, Jessica Beale's not the only celebrity, Courtney, trying to make a movement. Reese Witherspoon on social media shared a video of herself making a snow salt chococino. Yes. I saw the what? She, she got... Snow that she scooped off of her covered grill outside and then added salted caramel sauce, chocolate syrup, and cold brewed coffee and said it's delicious. Okay. I will actually say that my great-grandmother, who lived in Vermont, they would make snow ice cream. I've never had it, but apparently that's a thing where you can take like heavy cream, yes. maple syrup, and you mix it with the snow. Just make sure that you get clean snow. Yeah, don't go onto the street and scoop your snow. Wait, wait a minute. Now, this is definitely two Americas here. The idea that there's there's clean snow. Make sure you get your clean snow. What, yeah. do, you, what do you what do you get that? Like like, like at Home Depot? Like, no, like fresh snow that like falls on top of the grill that hasn't been touched by humans. Like or you do know that the rain or the snow is dirty water. Either way, it's still dirty water. I mean, but it's not like it doesn't have salt on it. It's not doesn't have dog urine on it. Like clean snow, untouched, fresh powder. To Americas, there's no way that because it's still at the end of the day, it's still dirty water. I'm not doing that, and then making a snow cone out of it. Yeah, it's it's effectively it's a bougie snow cone. It would it's she making her coffee out of it, right? Yeah. Cold oh brew. my god, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. It's disgusting. It, yeah, it is. It is. There is no. There is no clean snow. There is no clean snow. There's fresh powder. That's clean snow. I don't know what you do in your off time when you're not on the air, but I don't do any snow and any powder. <laughs> Here's Shay Norling. Oh, Shay? Oh, my. Yeah, no, right. no wonder she has 18 gigs. <laughs> Around the horn. <sighs> Best oh, week ever. Bears. Bears. Oh, oh my, my God. God. NBC Sports Chicago. <laughs> oh, God. Can you, show. Can you imagine wondering. me on cocaine? I'm already stressed out enough. Well, I've been wondering how you can just yeah. be on the radio you all got day 18 every day. No Celsius. This is yeah. basically yeah. my yeah. version yeah, of it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Conspiracy co- Cronin. Yeah. I've had five shots of espresso already on top of this. Uh-huh. She's coked out of her mind. Yeah. I'll tell <laughs> you where my flight went. I believe that. I can tell you about JFK. Keep your beak out of this. Yes. We want you to keep your beak out of the coke. My God, Cronin. No wonder you got all these gigs. Hi. That's, 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 check, check my pupils next time. No, check no. I mean, I just tell, normal size. I'm just telling They're you. They're not dilated. I don't need to check that. I'm just checking you on the air for seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I could do this. I could do the shift. I could be on NBC Sports Chicago. What do you need? I'll be on BET. What do you need? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so you and your powder, yeah, we can believe it. We've been saying that around here for a while. Mm-hmm. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? What <laughs> 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 the bears? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Peter Burns, I'm fine. No problem. I got it. You want me to do Greeny? I can do Greeny. Converse Joe, I can do Freddy. Freddy? Yep. Uh, Harry? Yep. No problem. Yep. Yep. Game night? Yep. yep. No problem. <laughs> I got it. New York City musician <laughs> Zeddy Will, a 22-year-old, recently hosted a joint baby shower. I saw this. For his five pregnant baby mamas. Are you sure that's not Tyreek Hill? Well, Aww. I think he got them all at different times. <laughs> I mean, but wouldn't it make more I mean, make more sense to host them all at the same time? Sorry, Shay, I interrupted you. I want to hear the rest of this. <laughs> One of the one of the women, Ashley, posted on social media, uh, when your baby daddy got four other girls pregnant at the same time, exclamation point, with a photo of the baby shower invitation. It's a photo of all six of them, him and his five baby mamas. And it says, welcome little Zeddy Wills one through five. Wow. Wow. Same name, huh? Just one through five. That's amazing. I... Yeesh. It's a lot of child support you have to pay. Do people not think about these things? If you can afford it, go right ahead. Who is Zeddy Wills? Does he have a number one hit that I don't know about, Shay? Honestly, I don't know. I, I haven't caught up on the uh, youthful hip-hop scene in a while. If you can afford to pay for the children, go that's ahead. all I would care about go at ahead. the end of the day. And plus, I mean, this could be a very economical way of hosting one baby shower for all. You said there's five baby mothers? Yes. Baby's yeah. mother? Five baby. How do you get them all pregnant at the same time? I mean, that's. Well, let me tell you. It's 22. Hold on a second. How do they get pregnant? Well, here you go. Here's what I can tell Mom, you. Mom, dad. A lot of snow, apparently. He okay. must be up like 24-7. So. Let me tell you the story, Shay, of the birds and the bees. When a mommy and a daddy yes. love each other very much. <laughs> that's right. I don't know if there's as much love involved in these as you might think. 
Well, oh, and he's certainly not. If what? you're out, if you're if you have five baby mothers at the same time, you're clearly not committed to like you don't love one of them that much. Depends of your definition of love. I mean, is he from Utah? <laughs> That's big love. They did call each other sister wives. The baby mom. That's uh, nah. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> All five more sisters? I didn't know that. Probably so. That's disgusting. <laughs> oh my god! All right, Cap. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> They're all five sisters. They're all sisters? Sign me up. Sign me up. Are they hot? <laughs> God almighty. All right. Along with coked out Courtney, J-Hood with you. Coming up, we find out. We got Courtney drugged up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we get the weather report, please? Yes, we will hear from Tracy Butler. She's sober. We'll talk to Tracy coming up next. Best week ever. Or NBC Sports Chicago. <laughs> or <laughs> or the Chicago Bears podcast. Or or it's Around the Horn right here on ESPN 1000. <laughs> it's fr- fr- Friday. Yeah. Time to get it in for the weekend. Now back to Cap and G-Hood. Turn the levels all the way up. up. ESPN Chicago. J Hood on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Jack, do we have a uh, Cap and J Hood cut of the day? Yes, we do. All right. Uh, brought to you by Chicago Cut Steakhouse, David Flom. You talk about a spot. You hear us talk about it all the time. It's a great place. Not Don't just bring yourself. Bring your family. Bring your friends. Bring your clients. What a great spot. Chicago Cut Steakhouse in downtown Chicago. All right, here we go. Yes, it's boring, but it's a sport. Oh! Whatever. Cut it. It's not boring. Okay, then you're boring. All right, cut! Did you ask Kayshawn Boutte who he's taking in this game? We should. Can we get him on? Let me get in he's touch not with... Brought, I mean, is he in jail? Let me get in touch with Louisiana State Police and see if we can get a quick hit with Kayshawn Booty. He's in Bristol, Connecticut, doing an interview process. He's going to be on this network. <laughs> That's what's happening Harlan right now. Harlan versus Joe versus Boutte. Versus Boutte. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to listen to that and get that analysis? And that's all, folks. The Cap and J Hood Cut of the Day brought to you by Chicago Cut Steakhouse. Let's go to the newsroom. <laughs> ABC 7 Up with this news. Sounds urgent. Tracy Butler with us here in studio. Tracy, good morning. I do have breaking news on a dense fog advisory. It sounded very urgent. It does sound urgent. Yeah, that's about all I got. <laughs> oh, quite my honestly, God. Honestly, that's, that's about it. I mean, <laughs> gloom and doom. Although we do have a flash flood warning for folks around Wilmington. There's been a lot of concern about areas along the Kankakee River mm-hmm. that are coming out of their banks. We've had rapid snow melt. We had rain last night. We have these ice jams that are breaking apart. So when those break apart, you get this rush of water. And where does it go? Well, unfortunately, it's affecting some folks uh, along the river. So something to watch. So There's the, your news for the day. So the Kankakee banks are in trouble. So what should the Correct. authorities do? What do you think they should do? They're, well, they're, they have had to evacuate some people. Mm. Yeah, this morning. So I know. I know you're very serious about this. I yes. can tell. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, you think all, all the savings, all the money that the people have had in that, in that area... What do they do? I mean, if the banks are going to be open, that's going to be a problem. I think the banks will be open. I oh, think they'll be fine. Oh, my God. They're, they've dealt with this before. They have? Yeah. Are oh. these like levees? I'm not familiar no, with no, Kankakee. No, not at all. So, okay. what ha- so 
uh, along the Kankakee River and along local rivers, mm -hmm. we've had what are called ice jams. Okay. So because it got so, so cold here, you had a lot of ice that formed along the rivers. Well, now these mild temperatures are just um, allowing for rapid snowmelt and allowing for these this ice on the river to break up so quickly that the water's basically rushing now okay. down the river. And there are still some jams down parts of the river. So when the, the water's running into that, it's kind of flowing up and out of its banks. So that's something weather-wise we're watching, of course, the fog too. But I've been calling this kind of the permadrab forecast. Permadrab, yeah. It's going to be all weekend long. It's going to look like this. But you guys... I think by the end of next week, we could maybe even have a 50 in the forecast. Wow. So that way we're breaking away from the snow. And I can, I can deal with what's happening right now because it's not this, all the snow that we're dealing with. Yes, permadrab. Yes, but we know <laughs> around the corner it's going to get better. See, I'm the optimistic one around here because I know that you're working hard. Yeah, uh, I try, or I try to give the illusion that I am. <laughs> anyway, thank you for saying that. <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors some days, let me tell you. You said 50s and sunshine maybe next week. Now, where, do you, where is that coming from? How, okay. is that, how do we get the breakthrough? Well, it's not the groundhog, by the way. One week from today yes. is Groundhog Day. So, Do we have a prediction on which, is he going to see his shadow? Can you predict that ahead of time? Punxsutawney Phil? Yeah. I have absolutely no clue. Do you, what, what iteration of Puxatani Phil are we on? What oh, number? Like oh. Uga has like what are we on? Uga eight now? Is um, there a oh no, I'm sure hey. it's the same one. Courtney's had a long life all this time. Oh no, that's not true. About to say, I didn't know what their life expectancy was. <laughs> yeah, um, and I should actually know that. Do you know my college roommate was Miss Punxsutawney? Well, and I, go. I used to. Be Can you call her and ask her? Well versed. I don't know. Where she is now, but I, I'm sure she'd be able to share. I know exactly where she is. In a hole. That's where she, that's where she is. It's amazing how she had her outfit on. It was all brown. That's a weird one, right? She won Miss Poxitani in an all brown outfit looking like a groundhog. It was amazing. I saw it myself. It was on Logo. I was watching it. It was great. Just telling you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, Pugsatani Phil, we'll see what he decides to do. Of course, we have Woodstock Willie in our own local area, too. Yes. I want you, uh, Courtney, to tell uh, Tracy what you told her about snow, about eating snow. Okay, so we had Reese Witherspoon apparently is trying to start this trend of... Shay, can you tell me? It's like basically making her coffee using oh, snow as like I've the heard ice. About this, yes. Yeah, it's and the snow chocochino. So okay, so she's putting cold brew with the snow. Huh? And I was telling Hoodie that like my great grandmother lived in Vermont, so they would make like snow ice cream, like using heavy cream and maple syrup and all of that. And the way that I was told to do it, which he doesn't agree with, is that you take fresh snow, snow that has not been touched by humans stomping on it or sure. salt or dog urine or other things. And he didn't agree with me. He said that all snow is, obviously it's recycled water because it comes from the sky. I know Dirty I'm simplify water. simplifying this, but that there's no such thing as fresh snow. Am I wrong on this? I'm, I'm thinking you're, I would, I would side with you. Thank you. I, I like that. It's fine. Know, it's just two Americas around it's here. Very, it's very. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not eating dirty snow. It's not it's dirty. Not. It hasn't it's been touched. It's fresh. Do you think it tastes fresh like salt coming out of the sky? The sky? Southside it does, yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's because it's mixing with the atmosphere now. <laughs> Those first flakes are just so 
yummy and tender. Yummy. Yes. You're out of your mind. (laughs) I'm with Courtney. Yeah, yeah. Not a surprise around here uh, because she, you know... Be careful, you know. She's yeah. Then, then, then we jumped the shark, and he basically insinuated right. that by fresh snow means I do a bunch of cocaine. So there you go, Chicago land. <laughs> wow, drug addict. Wow, add that to my bio. Uh, you said it. Yeah, it's on your it's on your LinkedIn. We will get that on the drop board Monday morning. <laughs> Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Jack. And thanks Cut everybody for checking in. So long, everybody from Chicago.